Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Praise God. Why don't you take your Bibles, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 9. Let's start today in verse 27. And I, I know what you're thinking. You're looking at my backdrop, and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, you're going to explain today the the basics of physics and how rockets go into space, orbit the moon, and then come back, and all of those things. Well, no, that's that's too easy. I have to talk with you about the deeper things of life, the things that even some of the most brilliant minds, surprisingly, don't understand. So today we will talk about much deeper subjects. We'll begin today in Matthew chapter 9. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we go into your word, we celebrate your word because it's the entrance of your word that brings light. Now, Father, we ask that as we explore your word today, that light would break forth by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for answers and knowing how to govern and live our lives by the power of your word and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 9, let's go to verse 27. <clears throat> when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, we know that the phrase, Son of David, was a messianic title. So they're basically acknowledging that they believe that he is the Christ, the promised Mashiach, the Messiah. And of course, that grabs the Lord's attention. And when he had come into the house, you know, pause just for a moment. God wants you to have your own house. When John's disciples followed Jesus, they said, um, they, they basically wanted to talk to him. And they said, well, uh, where do you live? And notice that Jesus didn't say, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air They've got nests, but I, I don't have anywhere. I'm just living over here by the Jordan River. No, he said, come see. And they came, and they saw. And notice here, it says, and we, when he had come into the house. Whose house? Scholars most likely believe his house. Praise God. The Lord wants you to have a nice home. That's just something extra that you can use your faith for. Because Jesus had a house. And he doesn't mind if you have one also. Matter of fact, he would like for you to have one at a nice, safe, good neighborhood. Praise God. The blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, not according to your luck, not according to who you know and who you know, all, all these other things, not according to where'd you get your college degree from, this, that, or the other, but according to your faith, which for some reason seems to be more complex in actually understanding and carrying out. Uh, sometimes it makes rocket science look simple. Praise the Lord. But let's talk about it. According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. Today, I want to talk towards the realization of your desires. And I know that God has put certain desires in your heart, certain things that you want to accomplish, as well as experience while you're here on the earth. 
But here's what I want you to know. That any time that you're confronted with a challenge or a testing situation, you need to know how to take the great shield of faith and use it in that situation to accomplish God's best, God's perfect will for your life. Praise God. You know, I was um, coming to the office and I was a little hungry, so I grabbed one of these little cliff bars. Uh, this is coffee flavored. I, I really only like one flavor, which is the mint flavor, and I ate one. And I was going to show you that one, but I forgot the bag. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's wonderful. I'm going to send you a whole truckload of those. No, it's not like I'm really excited about them. I just wanted to show you something. To me, it seemed to stand out. See the little guy? climb. He's climbing, the rock climber, climbing up the cliff. Uh, you have to understand the, the specifications of faith to move you forward. You know, there was a, a program, maybe it's still on, I'm not really sure. I happened to see it a couple of years ago on TV. Uh, it's like a ninja course. And uh, all these guys uh, and some gals, you're trying to go through these courses that challenge your agility, your coordination, uh, your grip, your strength. And, uh, you know, if you make it to the final and reach it all the way to the very top, then you can be the ninja champion of the universe. Well, you know, when they show all the competitors that are lining up, <clears throat> you have to be able to very quickly discern through that if you really kind of are interested in who's actually going to make it to the end. Because here's what a lot of people don't understand. You see these guys that maybe have really well-developed legs, and uh, maybe they could uh, squat 400 pounds. But the course that they're going to be going on, that leg strength is completely 100% useless. As a matter of fact, it's probably detrimental because that means you have to carry and pull that around because the winner consistently, the winners of those courses, it all comes down to primarily one thing, your ability to climb. And so it doesn't matter how much you can bench press. And you see all these guys with really great looking physiques and, you know, uh, uh, all these big muscles, but it doesn't, it, it's not applicable to a ninja course test. What you, now you do need some coordination and you do need agility, but you need primarily one thing. It always is going to come down to one thing and it's sports specific. That's what you have to understand. So it's not about muscular mass. It's really more about muscular endurance because the guy that actually finally defeated a course and won, nobody thought the course could ever be beat, was a guy that got to the last stage and there's a rope hanging. And it's just a rope uh, with no knots in it. It's just a plain rope and it goes straight up several hundred feet. And that was the final uh, part of the challenge, and he's only got a certain amount of seconds to get to the very top. And he doesn't have any muscles. He's skinny, probably only weighed about 130 pounds. But what people didn't understand is that he is a pro-level uh, rock climber. So for him, climbing, that, that's what he eats, sleeps, and breathes. And sure enough, he grabbed a hold of the rope, you know, no big arms, no big chest, none of that. Just grabbed a hold of the rope and up he went. <laughs> he went up the rope faster than probably what most people could go. Uh, they could walk up it if it was laid parallel on the ground. And he goes all the way to the top and people are stunned and shocked and, and he wins. 
You have to understand how to use your faith. Now, you understand also you couldn't take that ninja course champion, the guy that basically was a professional climber, and defeat, that's why he defeated the course so easily. You can't take him and send him over to the professional NFL football team and ask him to hold down a spot on the offensive line because all of those guys on the offensive line, they're over 300 pounds. And so what are you, what are you into now? A completely different dynamic, a completely different skill set where uh, what was previously perhaps valued doesn't work in that area. You know, when I was in high school, I was leaving the gym one day after pra- after my track practice, and one of the one of the leading guys on the football team, he was uh, the uh, offensive line. He was he was really big, you know. So the, all he does is lift weights, get gigantic, and he said he said, "Wow," he said he said, "Stephen, my arm is bigger than your calf." I said, "Yes, it is," but I said, "Can you run a mile under five minutes?" He goes, "Oh, because I couldn't do that for anything." I said, "Well, I can do it just jogging and hardly even break a sweat." So see, we all have our own things. <laughs> Amen. But you have to understand that with faith, you it's specific. You can take that shield of faith and come up against that obstacle and begin to get the strength from God's word that will move that situation. Mm-mm-mm. There are some things, by the way, in life that if you don't use specific faith, it's it's probably never going to get done in your life. Now, if God gave you an extension on life like Methuselah, who lived 969 years old, then maybe, maybe you could get more accomplished. Maybe you could pay off the mortgage on your home, (laughs) right? Or whatever the case might be. But in in the normal course of life, we're limited by various factors. One of those just being time, And when you start getting to 70 or you get to 80, uh, you begin to get to the uh, final innings of the game. And so these are things that we have to be aware of. Praise God. Now, to walk in the supernatural, you must employ, release supernatural faith. Praise the Lord. And do so with a specific focus. In other words, if if you're single, you want to get married and you're believing God for a spouse, why are you using all your faith to try to figure out who the Antichrist is? Pastor Stephen, I'm really in eschatology. I eat it up. That's good. That's wonderful. It is exciting. I like all of that too. But uh, you do know that you're single and unless you put some faith on that, it might not change. So you have to use specific, uh, specific faith to see the realization of your desires. It could be that you need a healing, even in a specific area. So you not only want to get healing scriptures, you want to get scriptures that apply to that area. I remember I told that one time to Sid Roth, he said, Stephen, I've never heard anybody say that before. Because a lot of the times, if you have a physical need, people or preachers will say, well, get the healing scriptures. But what you actually want to do is get the healing scriptures that apply to your healing that you need, such as, such as eyes. You have eye, eye situations or maybe a, a, a foot situation, then get the foot scriptures, get the eye scriptures, and those are the ones you really want to lean on. Woo, praise God. Now, supernatural faith will put you in control of the situation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals 
the word of God to you. He reveals the word of God to you and he generates that faith through the anointed word to flow through your life and produce the realization of the dreams that God has put in your heart. Praise God. And although those things aren't out there, perhaps that you're wanting, you can still bring them in. Absolutely. Praise God. So victory becomes a way of life when faith is actively at work in your life. But here's something that we need to really cover today. This could be challenging for some, particularly particularly if you lean towards the intellect. God was, he wants us to develop our intellect. Thank God we have stuff like this because that gives us GPS. And that way we don't have to carry around these big gigantic maps and try to figure all of that out. We could just use our phones and uh, get directions spoken to us verbally, even visually shown to us of where to go. So we thank God for intellectual proudness and the ability to create things and do things. But faith is not of the head. Faith is of the heart. Woo. Praise God. So you have to get delivered first of all, from the belief system of the world, which is based on a destructive false philosophy. And we have all heard that philosophy. Well, pastor Stephen, what is it? Okay. Let me give you an example. Here is the false belief philosophy of the world. This is what it is. Believe in yourself and you can do anything you want. Mm -mm. That is anti-God. That is anti-gospel. And it puts all of the faith and trust upon the individual himself. Believe in yourself and you can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish. But what did the apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians chapter three, verse three, seemed that He didn't agree with that worldly philosophy. And he says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Mm -mm. So all of your trust, all of your hope is in the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So that's a big difference. Now, faith is a demonstration of, of confidence in God, not again, not confidence in yourself. Now you do need to utilize uh, all of the talents that God has given you, which includes your mind and, uh, you know, use your body for strength and things like that. But faith is a demonstration of confidence in God, not in yourself, because it doesn't take much for us to get knocked off or to go down or to have something hold us back or slow us down, or not to mention all of the impossible things that can pop up and that can be a blockage, which is why we need to trust the Lord. And we see this very clearly in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Now this goes totally against what is a great trend in America today, which is towards socialism and wanting an institution or a government or a state to be God for you and to meet all of your needs and to take care of you from 
cradle to grave or whatever the case might be. But my friends, anytime a nation goes in that direction, it will go into totalitarianism where there is control, brutal control. It's just happened over and over. So we don't want to go that direction because first of all, it's cursed by God. Anybody that says, I want somebody to take care of me and I want somebody to put the toothpaste on my toothbrush and I want somebody to make sure everything is just the way, you know, uh, people that want that, there's a great price tag for that. And that is control. So cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and it, and will not fear when he comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. Praise the Lord. Now, we need to have our confidence, our trust in the Lord. Number one, for our salvation, for our eternal destination of being in Christ and being in God and delivered, delivered from the tremendous wrath that will come upon the wicked who have rejected Christ. Thank God for salvation. Amen. So that is, primarily is the difference between the belief system of the world and the belief system of the kingdom. The belief system of the world is trust in yourself. Let's trust in each other. Let's trust in government and we can do anything we want. No, 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 no. You have a sin problem that was inherited from Adam that has affected the entire world. Your only hope of escape and deliverance, and it is a true deliverance is through Jesus Christ, God's son. Without him, you are absolutely, completely, 100% hopelessly lost. Mm -mm. Every outstanding thing that takes place in the kingdom of God is a direct product of faith in God. I want to say that again. Every outstanding thing that takes place in the kingdom of God is a direct product of faith in God. But let's continue to go deeper. I want you to know today that every test is actually a test of faith. Now, I'm talking to believers. Every test that you encounter is actually, you'll discover, it's a test of faith. We see this in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So the test is what? It is a test of your faith. Praise God. Hang in there. Don't quit. Glory to God. God's going to come through for you. But keep your confidence and trust in Him. Every test that we will ever encounter in our journey towards heaven is a test of faith, watch this, to find out if you are depending on yourself or if you are actually depending on God. 
Woo! Praise the Lord. Because it's easy to say, I trust the Lord, but yet we can have actions that are, that are clearly implying that we do not trust God because we're trying to do things, even things against the scriptures in order to survive or to make it or to get it done. You know, sometimes people say, whatever it takes, well, hold on just a minute. No, no, not whatever it takes. If it violates the word, if it's uh, immoral, unethical, illegal, absolutely not whatever it takes. Praise God. We are going to do this God's way. And when you do it God's way, you will come out on top every single time. Now, notwithstanding, there will be tests, but you will get through these tests, praise God, as your confidence and faith is anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting because if every test is a test of faith, then it is a battle of faith that we are going through. And we find that also in Scripture. First Timothy, let's turn over there just for a moment. First Timothy chapter 6, and this will be verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. So it's not just some kind of a general fight. No, it is a specific fight, and it is a fight of faith. That's what you're in. You're, you and I are in a world where the devil wants to defeat you. And if he can, he'll try to defeat you literally in every single area of our lives. But my friends, you overcome him through faith. Mm -mm. You know, today we have a little bit of a problem in the church, particularly amongst what I would call the charismatic world, where uh, a lot of people are endeavoring, when I say people, I'm talking about Christians, particularly spirit-filled Christians, they are endeavoring to live off uh, prophecies that are continually circulating throughout the body of Christ or being put out on uh, you know, various websites or e-blast or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying that the prophecies aren't true or good, but I know Christians that it seems like all they do is they live off these prophecies. And they don't even know the person who's given the prophecy. It's just that they like it and they hear it. Oh, I like that one. This one says we'll overcome. Uh, this one says this, and this one says this or that. But these are the people that don't settle down. These people that are eating all these prophecies, but they'll never settle down. And uh, they still, see, it's like rocket science to them. It's like going to the moon and back. They don't get it. They still have never understood the basics, which are what? The just shall live not by prophecies. The just shall live by faith. Now, somebody should say amen. Somebody should say, Pastor Stephen, that's so good. I'm going to hit the pause button, and I'm going to send an offering into your ministry right now because that's the truth. Amen. Is it not the truth? I, I sometimes want to tell these precious believers, the just shall live by faith. You're going to have to settle down and get into the Word and work the Word and build your faith up because all of these prophecies, and they're coming every day because there are so many voices out there, <laughs> right? Uh, and, you know, you could have them bear witness with your spirit and they could be good, but um, you, you eventually, in life, if you want to accomplish what God has called you to do, you're going to have to do your own homework, and you're going to have to get your own word. And look, I know there are some that absolutely don't want to hear that. 
Even if they know I'm telling the truth, and I am, they don't want to hear that. They still want to have uh, this false reality where somebody else is going to carry the whole thing for them, and they can somehow escape the theology of the Apostle Paul and of even the great Old Testament prophets who all declared that the just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the Word of God? Faith in the promises of God? Hallelujah. And yes, you know, uh, prophecies are icing on the cake, but you have to bake your own cake. Mm -mm. Glory. Woo, glory. So settle down in the Word. Settle down with God. Take your calling serious. Glory to God. Take your life plan as something sacred and beautiful that God designed for you before you were ever born and say, Lord, I know it's good. Let's walk this out together step by step. Praise the Lord. Now, because there is a battle, a battle of faith, a fight of faith, because there is a battle, without faith, you're bound to fail. You're, just, you're not going to make it without faith. You, you, you could end your life hoping and believing, <laughs> right? But again, unless you've got some of that Methuselah DNA in you, you're going to run out of time. So you're going to have to embrace this reality. Go to work on it. Amen. By the way, have you ever noticed that the mortality rate revolving around death is 100%? Oh, some people want to ignore that. But you know what? It's still a 100% mortality rate. Unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, and there is the catching of the saints, and we are that generation that gets to skip over the grave. Hallelujah. But if not... <laughs> Woo! Make plans to get it done in the now. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, oh, I haven't finished reading verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Pastor Stephen, what should I do when I become born again? Number one, you need to get water baptized. And at your water baptism, you need to make your good confession. You need to tell people publicly what you did privately or whenever you gave your heart to Christ. And you need to tell people, I make the good confession of faith that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I have surrendered my life to Him. I belong to Him. Now somebody dunk me underneath the water so, when I, so that I can identify with uh, the experience of passing from death into life, from uh, like Moses and the children of the Red Sea, going in down into the Red Sea like a type of death and popping up on the other side, free from the Egyptians into the new life. That's what uh, that was. It was a foreshadowing of the new life in Christ. That's what water baptism does. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But my friends, once you have made the confession, now, you engage the Word, you engage the great shield of faith, and you begin to live by it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, there is a battle, but we're going to take certain steps to make sure that we don't fail. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Luke 22, and we're going over the verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. What did Jesus pray for Peter 
What was the core emphasis of the prayer? But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, uh, strengthen your brethren. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My friends, what does that mean? It means without faith, you don't have a future. That's what Jesus is praying for Peter, that his faith won't fail. Without faith, you don't have a future. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Faith is necessary. It is essential towards the realization of your desires. Praise God. Now, let's talk further today. Faith is not a philosophical fact. Faith is a force. Faith is not intellectual facts of data and information, you know, uh, things like that. No, faith is a spiritual force. Praise the Lord. Faith is the living force drawn from the living word to produce what? Living proofs in your life. Let me say that again. Faith is the living force that's drawn from the living word to produce living proofs. And I'll tell you what, it'll produce them. Absolutely it will. Look at this example in the gospel of Matthew chapter nine, verse 20. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith. Not that this is your lucky day. No, 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 no. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. So faith is the living force. And she had faith. Where did it come from? It was drawn from the word, the Lord's preaching. He's teaching. And people are hearing that. But not only are they hearing what he's saying, they're hearing all the testimonies of all the people that are being healed from incurable diseases in his meeting. So what does that produce? Proofs. Proofs. When you connect with that anointing, your faith connecting with that anointing, it gives living proofs. Praise God. And we see it all through the Gospels. So every time you come to a point of faith on any truth of scripture, then what takes place is power is transmitted from the word into your mortal body to produce a living proof. And this validates, of course, the content of the scripture in your life. That's what it did for her. It sends that transmission of power of the word where you need it, in this case, into her body or maybe in your case, into your checking account, or into your child who's at home sick. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Jesus wants to do a miracle for you. He wants to see that your dreams and your your great desires are realized. And you must have your confidence and trust in Him. Praise God. Amen. Now, here's something very, very fascinating. And this 
runs across the entire spectrum of the body of Christ from one end to the other, which is this. We, as believers, have mainly thought that faith is just believing God. I'm here today to say, absolutely, that's not the case. Woo! Did you know that in James chapter 2, verse 19, James said that even the demons believe in God. They, they believe that he exists and they tremble in terror. <laughs> well, Pastor Steve, that's wonderful. Those must be some believing devils. They must be blessed. No, no, no. They're cursed. And they're on their way to the lake of fire. It's only a matter of time. My friends, what's the problem? They believe it's not enough. But see, we've thought that faith is just simply believing God. That's not true. Mm -mm. So what we have to do, we have to look at the life of Abraham, who stands out as a key example of faith, and look what took place with him, because his faith produced. It worked. It was productive. And so I want you to notice, as we're going to look at Abraham, you'll see that he believed God, but that's not where you stop. That's only the beginning. Now, it is the beginning. You, have to, you do have to believe. But a lot of times, that's where people camp. They believe, they believe, and they don't do the other part. So thank God for the life of Abraham, who in many ways is, is the spiritual forefather of our faith, demonstrating to us how to do it. All right, so let's jump over there, because here's a great example. Genesis chapter 12 Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country. Okay, think about that just for a moment. Get out of your country. You know, I woke up one morning. This was almost 30 years ago. I woke up one morning, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, leave immediately. That meant leave that morning. I had a full-time job. Leave immediately and go. And he told me to move to another state. I was living in Texas and the Holy Spirit told me to move to Southern California. And it, that was one of the wildest experiences of my life. But as you know, I've told that story before. I went into work that morning, explained to my boss, and he was a spirit-filled, uh, charismatic believer and he rejoiced in the whole thing. And even pulled, uh, to my great surprise, he pulled out a bottle of, of, of anointing oil and poured it on my head and said, go, I'll mail you your final check when you get there. Just let me know where you uh, end up landing at. And he, he said, by the way, do you know where you're going? <laughs> I said, I have a pretty good feeling, but not quite sure where the final landing spot will be. But uh, wow, what a journey. But see, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit told me to go. And God told Abraham, get out of your country. It's, it, it, it's not a suggestion. It is a commandment that is tied to your destiny. And if you do it, it's going to work. If you don't, it's all on you for whatever 
is going to come out of that. And that's uh, disobedience is never going to be good. You know, because Abraham obeyed the Lord, we know what happened with him and, and the great uh, legacy that he has left. But when I obeyed the Lord, I ended up meeting my wife and I ended up getting connected to the man of God that would become my spiritual father and who would help raise me up in the things of the ministry and release impartation and things along that line. He took me and my wife to meetings with him and we, uh, he began to share all of these things with me and he had a global television ministry. He had a dynamic healing anointing. And so I found myself just caught up in God's plan for my life. But it's because it's because by eight o'clock that morning, see, God spoke to me at six. The Holy Spirit spoke to me at six, like six oh five. But by eight o'clock at morning, I had everything packed in my car that I owned. And you could imagine, yes, it wasn't very much. <laughs> I was living in a little bitty uh, single like efficiency, uh, smaller than an apartment, really. So yeah, it didn't take very long. But when God says go, if that's the case, he means it. He means it. Now, don't please don't ever try to fabricate something like this. It's not like this happens every year. It's not like this happens every decade. These are major life directing moments. But when they do happen, when they do happen, uh, yes, uh, we need to believe God, but also go further. And you're going to see that. I want to bring this out. So God said, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You ready for verse 4? So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Woo! He left. That's it. Gather it all up put it in a bag or, you know, let's get this thing loaded. Load those camels, donkeys. We're moving. Where are we going? Well, uh, quite a distance from here. He came out of the Ur of the Chaldees. The whole place was a, a place of cult worship and uh, worshiping the moon god, all that stuff. My goodness. But again, Abram departed. Mm, glory to God. What does that mean, Pastor Stephen? It means that now think about this. It means that not just believing, but obedience was the stronghold of Abraham's faith. Not just believing. Oh, I believe God spoke to me. God spoke to me, told me to move. Well, have you moved yet? No, we're going to, we're going to think about written a moving company pretty soon. Well, what are you waiting on? See when, when you're working with God in these real areas, of real manifestation of things that you desire, then we have our part to play. And our part is not solely believing because if you camp at believing only, you're never going to get into what God has for you. It is believing and obedience. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Mm -mm. And by the way, the angels are not going to call the rental company or the rental van and say, we've made all the moving logistics and preparation for you. Uh, the van will be showing up tomorrow. Just put your stuff in there and drive across the desert. No, you have to do that. Now the angels will protect behind the scenes. The angels can cause things to go smooth, but we have to do our part. And in Abram's part, 
That meant pack it all up and start walking. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 17, verse 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep. So here's God talking to Abraham. This is between me and you and your descendants after you. Okay, so you ready? Here's the covenant. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you, see, he's not let off the hook. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male in your, every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who was born in your house and he who was bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So God tells Abraham, you and I are coming into covenant. We're going to cut covenant together. And the sign of the covenant is circumcision. So Abraham, your son's going to get circumcised. You're going to get circumcised. All the men in your house are going to get circumcised. And uh, that's just what we're going to do. Now, are you ready for this? Here we go. Verse 22. Then he, God, that's God, finished talking with him. So God finishes talking with Abram, or Abraham, excuse me. And God went up from Abraham. Wow, the encounter is over. The glory moment has closed out, and you have heard from God. Well, praise God. God wants to have a covenant with me. He told me I need to get circumcised. Me and all the males, even my son, isn't that something? Well, did Abraham believe? Yes. What else did he do? Praise God. Verse 23. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day as God had said to him, Woo! Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and all the men of his house. Okay, so watch. God said, Abraham, this is what I want you to do as a sign of the covenant. You, your son, you're all, all the guys in your house, get circumcised, okay? Verse 26, that very same day, Abraham was circumcised. Here's where many in the church miss it. They, they, uh, they want to keep talking rocket theory, okay? And they say, we believe, and uh, we believe this, we believe that. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you believe. But you must not only believe, you must also obey. And Abraham believed, yes. But that's the difference. He, he believed and he obeyed. 
And God said to get circumcised. And the moment that visitation, that encounter ends, he's out there sharpening the knife. Now, who actually did the circumcising? (laughs) The Bible doesn't tell us. Who's doing all the cutting, (laughs) right? Uh, The rabbis actually say that Abraham did it himself. Well, I I don't know. It doesn't really say. I would basically say, well, and some, some rabbis say it would have been his oldest servant. But I would be like, well, who's ever got the steadiest hand around here? Let's get them to sharpen the knife up. and let, Let's go ahead and get this over with. Praise the Lord. But here's the thing. All of them got circumcised full compliance on that same day. And you know what? God was God came down in a sense with his presence and spoke to Abraham. But God also didn't say, you know what? I'll tell you what, Abraham, while I'm here, I happen to have a real sharp knife on me. He pulls a knife out of his robe and says, Abraham, let's just go ahead. I'll, I'll just do it for you. Uh, you know, my hand is real steady. I'll go ahead and do it for you. Go ahead and bring your guys. I'll take, no, no, no. God doesn't do that. We have to, we have to do the obedience. God will speak the word, the commandment. And we, we could even believe that word. But my friends, we must also obey. That's why the, Abraham is known as the father of the faith in the sense because he believed God but he also had obedience. So faith is not just believing God. Faith is obeying God, which proves that you believe him. Woo, praise God. So by the way, believing and also obeying, that's what gets God to commit to perform his word. So for some, that's why God hasn't committed. That's why it hasn't happened. Why? They're not committed. <laughs> and they'll say they've got, they got all the Christianese down. Uh, I believe, Pastor Stephen, I just don't understand. I believe. Mm, but we still have our part to do. Mm, praise God. For example, most Christians, at least the ones that have some light and illumination, they believe God for abundance. But how many actually obey God for, for abundance? Do, do you see the difference? Because every, every Christian really, uh, even if they disagree with prosperity or whatever, they still want to be blessed in the sense they want their bills paid. So you have many Christians that, be, that believe God for abundance, but how many obey God for abundance? I remember the time that Kenneth Hagin, the great prophet of the Lord, spoke about the time that he was teaching in a, uh, in a church. And he said that, you know, some Christians think that God will just force you to do anything, that God just makes you do things. Uh, of course, which, you know, God's not like that, right? He doesn't force you to do something. But Brother Hagin was saying that. He said, some Christians think that God will just force you to do anything. He'll just make you do things. And the young man said, well, I bless God, I believe that. And Kenneth Hagin responded instantly. He said, well, if that's true, then how come God doesn't make you pay your tithe? And the young man jumped and hid back behind the pew that he was sitting on. <laughs> Why? Because he's not, he's not a tither. <laughs> they have a lot of Christians like that. They want God to help them financially. They want abundance. And they believe it because they see it in the scriptures. They see it. But they don't do their area or their part of obeying God for abundance. Most Christians also, in the same light, they believe God for divine health. I mean, after all, who wants to be sick? 
Who actually is deceived enough to think that God's making you sick? No, it's the devil, okay? Most of us now have that illumination, that revelation from the Word of God. We turn the light on through the Holy Spirit, and we can see that sickness and disease, it's not good, okay? So God wants us to be in health. Third John verse 2, Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So many Christians, they believe God for divine health, but how many obey the demand of the scriptures that govern the laws of divine health? Hmm. Things that we have to consider, think about, and do as the Holy Spirit unveils them. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Here's a good example. Let's talk about, just for a moment, divine health. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. Let's close with this verse. A merry heart does good like medicine. Now, that's not metaphorical. That's not like an allegory. It's true. It's been proven true by medical science that joy, a merry heart, it releases certain good chemicals in your body that, that, uh, that heal your body. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. What, what are dried bones? It's our modern day word arthritis. Okay. If a person has arthritis, there's a dryness there. Well, pastor Stephen, I don't want to, I'm a Christian. I don't want arthritis. I want to walk in health. Well, how can you walk in moisture? How can you walk in, in you know, uh, lubrication and freedom from arthritis if you're gloomy and you're going around uh, in a bad mood all the time, <laughs> right? See, see, you're disobeying the scripture. The scripture says a merry heart does good like a medicine. So if you want to get rid of arthritis, yes, believe God for healing and at the same time have a merry heart. See, it's not just believing you have to obey these things. You have to live them. The just shall live by faith. Faith in, in these types of commandments. Faith in these types of directions. Amen. <laughs> and especially to walk in love and to walk in forgiveness. Amen. Because faith works by love. Praise God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that the ministry of the Holy Spirit flow right now. And that your Holy Spirit would speak to those that are watching and listening and point out any negligent areas of obedience and that your people will begin to fix it quickly that they could see, oh, I, I see that I haven't addressed that issue. I haven't addressed that verse. I haven't obeyed that scripture. Now, Father, we thank you for the anointing of your spirit and we thank you for the turnaround and the lifting power of your word for the realization of dreams and promises that you have given us. Now we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I talked to a preacher one time, and he complained about a certain area. I said, well, I said, you know what this scripture says concerning that? He goes, oh, he goes, I know. He said, I'm pretending that I, I'm not aware of that verse. I said, brother, <laughs> you know better than that. And he does. He does. But he believes. Is he going to obey? I hope so. I hope so. 
but it's his world. It's his destiny. He's the one that's going to stand before the Lord for his own life, not me. Amen. But when it comes to your own life, I sure hope you're believing and obeying. Praise God. Praise God. Father, let your grace be on your people. I thank you. I thank you. You're going to help them to get it done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for those that would be watching, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is your day of salvation. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. And as you pray this prayer from your heart, Jesus, he will respond to your faith and your trust in him. And he's going to save you, okay? And if there's anybody watching who you used to walk with God and you have fallen away from the Lord, today is the day. Today is the day that you need to rededicate your life to Jesus and get your life right with God, okay? So let's, let's together, those who are in that case, you're lost or you're not right with God, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Wash my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. Step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name, I pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for restoring me. In your name, amen. Amen. It is well with your soul. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's celebrate God's Word today. Let's also, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to do in remembrance of the Lord's death, because it's through His death that we have victory. It was through His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension that the work of atonement has been complete. Amen. So grab, grab some unleavened bread. Grab a little cracker, a little wafer, and grab some grape juice. Praise the Lord. If you don't have grape juice, temporarily, for now, use what you've got until you can get some. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it through this prayer and set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. It's in the veiled form. It's, it, it looks like a little wafer, but we thank you. It's the hiding, the veiled form of the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for strength. And we say that we believe, and we also say that we obey. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the example of the life of Abraham. So thank you, Father. We see that obedience was the stronghold of his faith. Father, thank you for the grace we ask for quick obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's flesh. Is it easy to obey? Not always. The flesh may not be I have very happy about getting circumcised. The flesh may not be very happy about walking all the way from the Ur of the Chaldees, the area of uh, ancient Babylon, across the desert, all the way to what we know as the area of Jerusalem and, and today the land of Israel. 
But the fruit of obedience is always righteousness, peace, and joy. So let's just go ahead and obey. That's where the blessing is at. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. And Father, if anyone has sinned against us, we forgive them 100%. We bless them and we continue on in faith with you. We thank you for the blood cleansing us from all sin. We give you praise, even cleansing our conscience from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you, O oh God, for his words. Thank you, Father God, for your written word and your spoken, your spoken word. We thank you. We give you praise. Father, help us to be diligent and quick to obey. Thank you, Father. We bless you. In Jesus' name, let's receive the Lord's blood. Amen. Praise God. Woo! Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory. Now you can see why faith really is a heart issue. Because it's believing, yes, but it's also obeying. And that's not the mental realm. The mental realm doesn't require any obeying, really. It's just thinking and cerebral. But in your heart, uh, you can't say you believe without also obeying. That's really where the proof is at. Praise God. Glory. Glory. I see God's hand upon the life of many right now. And I see that as you walk with the Lord in these principles, that your life is very solid and strong. Because you're like the man that Jesus said built his house on the rock. What is the rock? It's the teachings of the Lord. It's his ways, his principles. And you live your life like that. And you'll always be stable. Glory. You build your life on the sand. Then that in essence is putting your confidence in people or system outside of God and his kingdom and his ways. And eventually there will be a collapse and fall. Praise the Lord. Glory. You know, John in his epistles said, this world is already passing away. This world and its corrupt fallen system, it's just abiding its last bit of time for the whole thing is wrapped up. Praise God. Amen. It is time to live for the Lord holy and pure. All this filth and all this sin, it's not going to be too much longer before it's a wrap and it's done. Satan will be thrown into the bottomless pit, chained and bound for a thousand years, and then there will be a great change. Praise the Lord. And that's not too far out, the entire tribulation period. If you stop and think about it, what seven years? That's hardly anything. Amen. And I believe that the church is not appointed for wrath. There will be a catching up for the people of God. Amen. You will see the fruit of your belief and also your obedience. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.